So, hey, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share with you on the, on the Word of God this morning. And uh, thanks uh, to Pastor Andrew for allowing me the opportunity to share with you. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about rest today. And uh, I mean, how many of you rested up? Everybody rested? <laughs> well, half and half, maybe, and maybe not quite half. But anyway, uh, we'll share with that a little bit. And then I kind of j- bounce around between <clears throat> the Old Testament, to go back to Genesis a little bit. We'll jump a little bit, modern day. So we'll bounce back and forth a little bit about that. Is that okay with everybody today? All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, thank you for being here. And as we think about um, rest, what is rest? We'll look at this as far as God's creation and resting, Israel and the periods of rest, and then New Testament rest. And kind of peel it back a little bit and look at it and what it pertains to and what is the Sabbath. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. All right, so let me ask this, though. What is your day of rest? Is today your day of rest? Is it yesterday? Do you get a chance to rest? For those that work 24-7, I was telling Greg earlier, I was like, 24-7 pretty much, right, Greg? When do we rest? When do we take that time to relax a little bit? You know, with we're in the hustle and bustle and just going at it 24-7 and just 90 miles an hour. Do we have time to take a rest? Well, let's think about that. And we'll look at some pictures coming up here and give us some little reminders here about that. Is that our day of rest? Appreciate Linda. We go out on little trips and sometimes we'll take photos and stuff like that. So that's some, I'll show you some of Linda's photos here. Uh, and, and just talking to Tracy and a trip coming back. You know, we had a good, enjoyable time. It's a day of rest. Type. You know, of course, sometimes when you go on vacation, it's really not rest, right? You've got to come back to work to rest up, correct? Like, yeah, okay, I think you all identify with what I'm saying here. This picture's up here like Niagara Falls. All right, um, when, we, when we see the photos up there, like of the, of the, the uh, slow-moving waters, time to relax, if we're not careful like this right here, and we're not careful, we see the meandering waters coming along, and then all of a sudden, we realize there's a waterfall. How many of you know that waterfall that I just showed there a minute ago? Niagara Falls. So right before that, you see the water is just easy moving, and it starts building up, getting faster, uh, and all of a sudden, it goes over the waterfalls, and, it's just, and you can go down right below that, and all of a sudden, it's just like a hurricane. You've been on the hurricane deck there before, and it is literally hurricane winds. And it just like blows you away. Is our li- are our lives like that? We're kind of going along and all of a sudden something hits us and everything becomes turbulent and we wonder what is going on and God help us, you know, as we cry out to him. And ho- unfortunately, there are so many people who don't know our father as we do. And it's our responsibility to help share with them. All right, well, let's look at uh, something here in, uh, in Genesis. We'll, we'll start there and then... Um, We'll jump around a little bit, if you will. Uh, Genesis 1.1 says what? In the beginning. When was the beginning? When God said it was the beginning. When he created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and and it was void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, of the deep, and the Spirit Spirit of God, as he hovered and moved across the waters, and then he he actually started separating and getting into the work part of it uh, from days one to six. He started separating the waters and the land separately. 
All right, so we see God then at work. Of course, he's not physically working. All he's got to do is speak into existence, right? So we see days one through six of God creating our environment around us and this world that we're living in. All right, and then chapter 2, verse 1, what do we see God doing? God's at work. He's creating. He creates all the animals and, and all the plants and everything that is here that's in existence. And then he creates uh, man and woman, and he places them all there. And then what God says, it's all good, right? And he also says in there, the, uh, the evening and the morning was the first day. We'll kind of elaborate that on that, that in a little bit here in a minute. The evening and the morning, first day. How many of us realize that today started actually last night, if you look at when God created he created the darkness first, and there was darkness first, then came light in the morning. And so, if I don't say it later on, but just think about this, that throughout the chaos and the calamities and the darkness that we have around our lives, just know that joy comes in the morning, that God is there. He gives us the light, just like he created in that and with, with the beginning. Um, so, just think about the chaos God is not the author of confusion, for one thing, but God comes out of chaos, and he builds the beauty. He builds the rest. He builds the creation as he wanted us to have and enjoy. All right? So that's something to think about there. Um, so how, how many of you have seen the, the, uh, the movie The Chosen or the, the film series? Some of you saw The Chosen before? What's the first thing that they start out you know, and he shows a Roman soldier coming up and talking to the priest, you know, about wanting to kind of bribe him and all. But he's talking about your fisher, your, the, the Jewish fisher people, fishermen out there, they're out there fishing on the Sabbath, Shabbat. All right, so, and so he's, that's the whole series as they start in that. And then it shows Peter going out there and struggles with trying to make money and stuff and going out there. And he's out there fishing and fishing on the Shabbat, the Sunday or Saturday, not Sunday, really, uh, fishing on the Sabbath, right? Uh, which is the Sabbath starts technically, and the way, the way the Jewish people celebrate, it starts Friday night at sundown, and then it goes to the next on Saturday night at sundown. So that is the Sabbath, and the Jewish people follow that. Um, well, most do today, but anyway, not everybody does. Um, actually, I just heard uh, the other day that if you go to Jerusalem, you still hear the sounds of the horns and all telling you by the Sabbath is beginning. You know, you, you don't see people in the streets there in Jerusalem, a lot of them. But if you go to Tel Aviv, which is the capital of Israel, then they say that they don't really pay much attention to it. We go into restaurants and you just go all over and they don't really recognize even the people of Israel. Now, a lot of them don't follow that tradition uh, that God was showing them. So, so what does that mean? Sabbath means what? Completion. Stop. And it ties in with the number seven. Seven means completion. And and the way that God, isn't it interesting how God created and, and he works in numbers of sevens? And God works in all kinds of different numbers. But we see in the number seven a lot of times throughout the scripture, don't we? And but why did God, if you see that on the first verse of the chapter seven, excuse me, first verse of Genesis two, it says that the, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and all the day that God finished his work they had done. And so it says that God rested. Now, does God need to rest? Did that tire out God to the point that he needed to rest? No. God did it for us. He wants us to imitate him. 
to follow his example. He knows how important it is for us to take that moment and to take a time and rest and realize who he is. That's why we come together on Sunday, right? It's not the Sabbath. We Christians, we don't have a Sabbath, really. We come together at the first day of the week, beginning of the week, because that's the day that we celebrate, that we set aside, that we recognize God. Now, we'll tie in some other legalities here in a minute, but is it work? Some people can't do that. And sometimes we're quick to criticize the people who have to work on Sundays. Well, when is that person's rest also? Let's recognize that, see, and we'll, toward the latter part of the message here, we'll talk about what Jesus had to say about that. But let's, let's t- look at, at a little bit more at this, though. Uh, God knows that we will receive power once we have that moment of rest. Our body is rejuvenated. When we go and sleep, we can get a good sound sleep. We can get up, we're refreshed, ready to go. That's power that God gives us through that rest. We see also that we can have the power of the Spirit of God when we rest and rely upon Him as He works in us and through us as believers that gives us the power to move on and honor Him. And, and now what, what about, let's, let's think about now about uh, Adam and Eve. Did they honor the Sabbath? Ever thought about that? When did the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy come about? It was not in the garden. Remember, Jesus walked in the garden. It said God walked, I believe it was Jesus, walking among Adam and Eve and fellowshipping with them. They, didn't, they just looked out the garden. It was not hard work. They, they enjoyed it. And he walked with them. There was not a Sabbath requirement. So we'll see, we'll tie in that a little bit here. Moses is the one who presented the Sabbath. If you will look in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, it talks about the Sabbath as the Ten Commandments, the fourth Ten Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So what does that really mean? Um, God's intent, and he was telling the people of Israel as they were going about, and, as, and, and during this time, you know, they had already gone into captivity. This is way after the creation where Adam and Eve, this is way after the time of Noah, and going fast forward from Abraham and on into the people of Israel, right? And so they were in captivity, they were out of captivity under the people of Egypt. We've been studying that in the lessons in the community groups. And so fast forward to that a little bit to where God says he moves them out of, people of, of, uh, out of Egypt, out of slavery, into bondage. And he moves them over. He's making a nation out of them. But think about something. I want to go back a little bit further again. How about Noah? When God says to build the ark... Talk about that just a moment. Did you know the name Noah means rest in Hebrew? Interesting that, that God even, I don't know if God named him Noah, whoever parents, whoever named him Noah, right? Uh, but anyway, that means rest as well. And so we see that, and it's called Nuak. His name is Nuak, which means rest. And so we see an example right there as God said, I'm going to bring all this destruction. I'm going to put you on the ark. I'm going to give you a lot of rest in here. Of course, you know, keeping track of the animals. I don't know if that's really a lot of rest, right? How many of you out there farmers, right? Keeping up with all the animals. I'm like, that would be like a nightmare. I don't know if he really got rest that much, but God is causing him to get away and to get on the ark and take care of the animals and to be able to endure this flood that he's sending. Um, so God is looking after him. And it says in Genesis 8, 4 and 8, uh, 12, it says, 
On seventh month, and talked again at number seven, seventh month, seventh day, the ark rested on Mount Ararat. It says, now, now what's happened here? After the, the water subsided, after the floods, you know, the rain 40 days and 40 nights, and the thing is just wandering around, and what does Noah do? Oh, he says, okay, I've got to go out and find it. If, start to see the peaks of the, of the mountains, you know, as the water's subsiding, the waters recede. It says, you sent forth a dove, and to see if the waters have subsided from the face of the ground, but the dove couldn't find a place to rest, to even set her foot, and she returned to the ark. For the waters were still in the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took, out, took her in, brought her back into the ark, and he waited another seven days. See that number seven again? And again he sent forth the ark, or the dove out of the ark, and the dove came back in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. See God working in the sevens? God says, I'm completing things. I'm making completions. In Israel, as we look at that, as we see that God is telling the people of Israel throughout her whole time and lineage, God says, come apart to rest. And he's given them opportunities to seek him. And so we look at that from Noah, and then we, we tie that in even as well. Uh, but what does all this rest stuff mean? As we look at the people of Israel even, and we still tie in with that, is that the people of Israel were sent forth. They couldn't rest while they were in bondage, but God was establishing a nation with the people of Israel. He said, I've got a purpose for you. You're gonna, I'm bringing you to some rest. I'm bringing you to your homeland where you don't have to be wandering around so much anymore. All right, so through the establishment of the people of Israel, God is going to bless the nations. And they're going to represent him. Through the people of Israel, God is going to bless all of us through Jesus Christ. Right? That's what God is doing. He's bringing up the ultimate rest in Jesus. And so we're seeing the snapshots of time of what he's doing and it's relative to the nation of Israel. And through, and we've talked about in our Sunday school, in our, excuse me, in our community groups, uh, when we've talked about God working through the respective kings and through the people of Israel throughout all of that time frame. And then, uh, do the people of Israel really traditionally recognize the Messiah yet? They don't recognize him yet, except the believers in Christ, you know, but um, they're still waiting for the Messiah. But, what are they doing trying to go back? And they, they're doing, people of Israel are doing a wonderful job of keeping track of time in their calendars. You know, we've got the Jewish calendar. You've got the Gregorian calendar. I think it's what it's called anyway, that we use today. But think back, you know, we've got Rosh Hashanah. I was kind of doing and studying up on that to make sure I knew kind of what that meant. That's coming up in, in September. What is that day? It's the, that's the birthday of the universe that the people of Israel recognize. Did you know that? Um, and the day that God created Adam and Eve and is celebrated as the head of the Jewish year. Uh, the first two days of the Jewish New Year, Tishri and 1 and 2, beginning at sundown on the eve of Tishri 1. Uh, the month of Tishri will falls between the months of September and October in the Gregorian calendar. So in our calendar, so coming up in September, between September and October, is when the Jewish people celebrate 
the beginning of the year, which goes back to the time when God created. So they're using their, they've even gone back to 5,000, I can't remember how many, how many uh, years, 5,000-something years back to the beginning of time because what they've done, calculating way back to the time. Um, so anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. But how do we even know that these dates are correct? How do we know that, that what they're saying is correct? Well, for one thing, you know, Moses was instrumental when he was writing Genesis and all of that back then that we can kind of understand. I think that Moses probably is the one that wrote it, but God was speaking to him. But you know, the thing is, what helps me is that Jesus validated that. See, they had the Old Testament, right? When Jesus said, Jesus didn't come out and said, oh, wait a minute. No, what Moses wrote, that's not correct. Jesus didn't refute that. He didn't he didn't go against what was written in the Old Testament. So to me, that validates it because he is the one who was there that created it. You know, Jesus is the author of, of the, the, all of the creation. And so that, to me, helps, to, helps me to understand and relate to the things of God and, and how that uh, we can trust in him. Um, and God created all of this environment for us as we look at all of that, what he's done, it was designed for humankind, stars. He said putting stars up there, the moon, the sun, and all of that for us, for creation, uh, for helping, you know, when we know the moon's coming up and how it affects the tides and everything like that. Um, and, and like I said, we talked about the, how the Jewish people, how it was preserved through, through them. And if you look at the fourth day when they had the lights and, from the, and separating night from dark and all that kind of stuff too in, in Genesis. But still... Why the Sabbath? Why did God say, keep the Sabbath holy and remember him? Why did he tell the people of Israel that? For one thing, it was for their, for their own good. Another thing, how about the people who were enslaved? How about all those slaves, the people even that worked in the households? that were under um, a slavery, for instance, in their household, you know, the people of Israel, when they had uh, people that were taking care of things. It's also a day in rest for them. So it's not just for the sake of, yeah, I'm taking a day off. It is also to have creation itself to have rest. All right, so is, could this be one reason why, when we're talking about earth in itself, we don't even let, huh? let, let well, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask a question here in a minute, but we don't even let earth rest. We're going 24-7, and we're out there planting crops. You know, of course, we're getting less and less with the farmers out there planting crops. They're going out there planting. We don't even have that time to let the crops. Every seven years, you're supposed to be able to let the crop go under, right, and not produce. You're supposed to have enough to save for that time. We, you let the crops, let the plants, let creation itself kind of take a pause and rest. If we don't do that, does creation itself, what God created around us, the environment, does it all of a sudden says, does it start? I don't know. Anyway, I'm throwing that out there just for your own interpretation there. But God reminds Israel, remember that you were slaves and God brought you out. Therefore, God commanded to rest the seventh day. Do it because God did it. He didn't have to. He said it's for your benefit. So as they started going through in their exodus, going up to Mount Sinai, you know, we've talked about that in our lessons. Um, he kept reminding, take a break. Okay, when Moses came out 
with the Ten Commandments and pass that on to them, we're going to start keeping the Sabbath. We're going to go out. We're going to be traveling through the, through the wilderness and all that for six, you know, for six days, and we're going to take a break. We're, we're going to Friday night. Before Friday night, we're going to gather all the stuff we can to eat. So we're busy, busy, busy getting things ready. And then come sundown on Friday night, we're going to, we're going to have enough food to sustain us through Sunday, right? Uh, anyway, throughout the, the Sabbath period, we're going to eat, and we're going to have everything, and we come together, and we're going to have the break from Friday night until Saturday night when they're released from the Sabbath. So they're prepared for that, and then they do that. And that was, when, that was instituted during the time when they started wandering in the wilderness. Now, he reminds us of that today. Not necessarily the Sabbath, but again, we can learn from that what do we do in preparation to rest and preparation to meet the Lord and to come along, come a, come a time separate apart from our busy, busy, busy time frame. And we say, Lord, just take a breather. Help me. Recognize you and relax. It doesn't have to be a whole 24-hour period of time, see? For us as believers, he wants us to still to recognize him and to come apart and to, and to, be, uh, to, to rest. Now, when we look at the people of Israel, do we see them having rest? We see that they fought the Palestinians. They were constantly against them, right? They were constantly, when they got into the promised land, that should be a land of rest, the promised land that God gave them. With all the with all the, the, the fruits and pomegranates and all these things, you know, that they had and all after the wilderness. See how God is creating the chaos into something that takes them to the promised land. But you know, they kept having wars and conflicts and things, people coming against them. Last couple of weeks in our in our community group, we talked about David. Okay, a man, a, a person after God's own heart, how that God worked in him. And he, he honored God. And we see his son Solomon as he came about, and God was honoring him. And he says, I'm going to give the nation of Israel rest from their enemies. Why? Because they recognized who God was and honored him through their lives. And so that they, God did give them the rest from their enemies. And I want to mention briefly, uh, too, is... Remember Pastor Andrew's message last week when he was talking about parroting? He's been in the, talking about the home life, but he talked about the parroting last week. And as we look at, look at the life of David and Solomon, were they good parents? Well, dads. <laughs> How did they influence their children? Were their lives just so busy that they could care less about what's going on with their children? And we see the results of some of that. We see even how Solomon, as we talked in the last couple of weeks, and even today, you know, tying in with that. But we see how that his life was in turmoil. He didn't get the proper instruction. He, the dads were so busy and didn't even care about teaching the children. And yet we see what's happening from that. We see that Solomon later on then just falls away. Even after he was the, the, the wisest man in the world, how he backed away from the Lord and started following after other gods. Right, James? You talked about this morning, didn't you, brother? Um, so what is happening here? Um, God says, if you were obedient, if you follow me, then I'm going to bless your household. I'm going to bless what you set out to do. That applies to us today, not just to the people of Israel. Um, so 
If we're disobedient, and God help us even in our own country today, if we're disobedient to the things of God, then God's going to leave us up to our own demise, anyway, uh, to where we're, we're constantly as a nation even going against the things of God in that sense. And are we, again, are we really taking time to recognize him? When Moses was interceding for the people uh, back at Mount Sinai, he had a prayer, and he says... Uh, uh, to the Lord, but he says, uh, consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest, God says. Are we letting the presence of God going with us? Do we just push him aside and we get up in the morning and we just move right along doing our own thing? Um, but that is something that people then yearned for, even though they still kept falling away not following the way God wanted them to. They were in a desert, constant complaining and all, and they're wandering around, but it wasn't satisfying for them. They, they weren't restful enough. It was probably boring to a sense, but yet a lot of excitement too. Uh, but God was reminding them that they weren't alone. He was with them, and he was going to take them to, to the promised land. He directed, and it goes back to what I said earlier, he directed Moses to write the Ten Commandments and instructions for the people of Israel to follow. God wanted to give them the guidance, and he still gives the guidance today. Once in the promised land, he wanted to make sure that everybody got the rest that they needed and were liberated in that sense. Um, I was thinking about the orchestra for a minute, too. It's like you got the music going on there, and you, Keith, when you're playing the guitar and all that stuff, you know, when, when you're up there and you have stanzas and all in where you have a pause for rest, too, right? It's for emphasis, kind of regroup, and kind of in a sense. Uh, and the orchestras they're playing, they have the rest in the music and, and all of that. So even musicians have rest right there while they're playing the music and an orchestra is working. Um, but it's, it's for all of us to think about the time of rest. And God wants us to come apart. And what, what does that still mean, though? As we come apart, for what? Fast forward to where we are today in the New Testament. Remember when the disciples were in Matthew, when um, in Matthew 12, when he had the disciples walking with him, and what are the Pharisees, right after Jesus started his ministry, and the Pharisees following along, keeping a close eye on him, uh, and it's right before this, Jesus even talked about sending, he sent the disciples out. He talked about Chorazim and all in Bethsaida over near Capernaum and about in, in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. He's talking about how that they wouldn't accept him, his message, wouldn't accept him. So anyway, he's teaching the disciples and they're following along in chapter 12. And it says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry. And they began to pluck grains of, uh, heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Legalism. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? When those that were with him? What did he do? Remember David before he became king? When Saul was kind of seeking him, and David went in there to the, to the holy part and had the table show bread, and he started, had his troops in there, and they went and started eating the bread. Man, that was like an abomination. But God did not bring that against David because that was a legalism that the structure was established. 
So God was looking after David in that respect. Um, so anyway, that's what Jesus was talking about and what he's relating to. He said, but you know, only the priest is supposed to eat that. Um, or have you not read in the law on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? What? What are, they, what are you talking about? Well, when they did the temple work, right? When they established the temple, and even in the tabernacle, when they wandered in the wilderness with the tabernacle, the priests would go in there and they would still have to work on the Sabbath. And that's what he's talking about. He says, you know, he said they, they profane the Sabbath and are guiltless because God did not hold it against them because it's a holy work. It's not like you're going out there and doing hard labor and all these kinds of things, even though who knows how hard that was working in there. It says, um, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. <laughs> Amen. And if you had known what this means, I love how Jesus approaches people, you know. If you had known how the, what this means, he said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He said, that's, that's the message of God. I desire mercy, and I don't get hung up on all this legalism. He says, for the Son of Man is what? Lord of the Sabbath. Whoa, Pharisees, man, can you just imagine? You know what? And they had already heard him being saying that uh, the year of Jubilee was fulfilled when he read the scripture earlier, when he started the ministry out, when he went up there and read the scripture. And he says, uh, This year, this, this is being fulfilled in your ears today. Woo, they cannot understand that. So they're constantly after him, looking for something that they can uh, get his attention or, or to get him off the scene or to do something to him, even when he started his ministry out. Uh, but anyway, the thing is that Jesus bro broke the strains of the law. Like I said, he authored the law. That's why he says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And that's where he breaks the bonds that, and, the, and the slavery and the things that we're enslaved by, the, the work ethics and all the things that were just bondage that we have around us. He's there to break those bonds, just like he was talking to the people, the Pharisees themselves. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. It means don't get hung around, don't get wrapped around the axle with all of this stuff, uh, but rest he said, no, be still and know who I am. Let his spirit flow upon us that we will recognize who he is and let him work in us and through us. Amen. Only through the presence of God could anyone have full and complete rest and full and complete peace. Jesus is about bringing that ultimate rest. That's who he is. Now, we talked about the ark, right? And we talked about the ark resting on Mount Ararat, the olive branch. Jesus is like that ark. He had they, all the animals in all of their lives rested in the, in, within that ark. And as that ark rested, Jesus is like that ark. And he's like that, that olive branch and all that. And, and it directs the rest as our ark rested on that mountain. And all was okay from the chaos and all the storms. Jesus is like that ark that we can rest in. And he comes and helps us to find that rest. We need to push away and look at what is it that holds us back. What are our idols? What are the things in our lives that we're trying to keep on acquiring or keeping on 
pursuing and pushing God aside? That's it for each of us to examine. I know Linda tells me all the time, but you know, I'm always, my trouble is I find things to do. I don't, my, my problem is I'm sitting down and I'm getting restless. I don't like to sit still very long. I like, I'm thinking, my mind's going, I want to do this, I want to do that, and doing that. And I meet myself going and coming sometimes. And Linda kind of has remind me, he said, okay, you know, just keep your focus. You know, uh, and so I'm, I, hey, I'm speaking my own self. You know, what is my time when I come apart and set aside to recognize him? We come here as brothers and sisters in Christ and establishing the, the established time that we come together. And it's great. And we have a good fellowship. And this is some of our rest time. But again, so many people can't come together. If they're working seven days a week, they can't. They can't come to be with us. When can they, first of all, rest for their body and their mind and spirituality? When they can rest also then to let the Holy Spirit of God bring them that rest. I know different people think about different strategies. You know, the, the Jews and the Gentiles think differently, and, and, and people, even in cultures, people think differently. We need to kind of, like I said earlier, not get wrapped around the actual and all of these things. Uh, if you look at what Paul was saying a little bit in the, the, the uh, Paulian effect, if you will, um, when basically he says, uh, hey, he says, do all things unto the Lord. What is it that we need to seek and let don't get wrapped up around so many of the legalistics, legal, legalism, and all the legal situations. Let's seek the Lord and let the Lord speak to us and through us. Um, let go of the anxiety, the stress. Again, take that and just let it out. Let Jesus help us to enter his rest. And in so doing, we can grow, grow and draw closer to him. In Matthew 11, what does Jesus say? Come to me. Cast your burdens upon him. And that time Jesus declared, I thank Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by the Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone whom the Son, Jesus, chooses to reveal him. What does he say? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What's that yoke? Remember the oxen? They would have those big old yokes in there, kind of it's a balance in there to carry that heavy load. The yoke it was really heavy in itself. But balance, you know, the load as they try to pull the load and all. That's what he says. Take my yoke. I will give you, I will balance your load. I will balance your life. Let this let yoke work for you and not against you. He says that take my yoke upon you. And guess what? Uh, and said, you find rest for your souls, but he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not going to put a heavy burden on you. He wants to free us from that. So that's what rest really 
means as we rest in him, allowing him to flow in us and through us, taking that burden and say, Lord, I lift it up to you. And he says, my burden in you is light. I will give you that rest. What brings about this unrest is disobedience. As we've been looking at in the Old Testament, when we are disobedient to the things of God, that creates more chaos, more stress. When I see that I'm not really in the will of God, I start feeling that stress, that, that stress in me just builds up, anxiety. But isn't it neat when you say, Lord, I give it to you. I confess. And it just feels like that burden just lifted. That's why he says, come unto me, call unto me. And so let's let Christ's yoke guide us and provide the rest for our lives and our souls. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your spirit, God. Lord, we flow through this place. Lord, we've tried to share your message. We tried to introduce back to the beginning when you were there. Throughout the life of what you were teaching Israel as a nation. Lord, and you reminded them, and yet they were in captivity, and they still became disobedient throughout what we see throughout the Scriptures. And God, we see that you one day caused the nation to be divided because of the disobedience. And you put them in slavery and bondage more than once. And God, as you brought through the nation of Israel, you brought forth the Messiah. Jesus Christ, our Savior. That you honored the promise to David. And Lord, you, you want to give us that promise today of salvation and rest and trust. And Lord, if there's one here who does not know you, speak to that heart. Touch that heart, Lord. And Father, I pray that for each of us, will you help us to examine where we are in you Help us to examine where we are in our day of rest, in our time of rest. Break away from the legalism and not worrying about that, but yet have the freedom that is in you. And we, may we be careful to give you all praise and glory in Christ's name. Amen.